on this edition of The Edge of Adventure, we talk water. Did you know that well over a billion people worldwide have no access to clean drinking water? My guests today say this is simply not acceptable. Ken Surratt and Cote Touré join me today from an organization working around the world and through a variety of technologies to provide clean drinking water to those that need it desperately. Ken is here in the States currently. Cote joins us live from Kenya. We'll get to know them and the remarkable organization where they work so diligently. Why, you ask? Because water is life. This is where adventure meets purpose, where we get to know those who live life beyond status quo. My name is Adam Asher, and this is the Edge of Adventure podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another edition of the Edge of Adventure. My name is Adam Asher. Always great to have you with us, and it's always great to introduce you to some amazing people doing amazing things. Today, from Water Is Life, I've got the founder. I've also got the director of communications joining me. So I've got two people on the line today joining us for uh, today's interview and conversation. We have Ken Surrett and Cote Terre. And Ken, you're the founder. I'm going to start with you. Thanks for being on the show. You bet. Thank you, Adam, for allowing us to be on the show today. Looking forward to um, talking about with your audience uh, about uh, what we've been doing and Cote has been in the field there in Kenya for a while. And so I wanted to make sure that people heard from people that are actually on the ground with COVID and everything. It's been a little difficult. Indeed, it has. And Cote Terre, thank you for joining us. You are a media professional and a great communicator. So that's I think that's why Ken asked you to join him as director of communications. You help to tell the story really well for Water is Life. Thank you, Adam. Hi, thank you for the invitation. We're very happy to be able and, and tell people about what we do. I'm a truly believer that what you don't show, it doesn't exist. That's my job at Water is Life. That's what I do best. And I try to show it and to share it with other people around the world. Those who are not able to go to the sites, those who are not able to go to the villages, to the schools, to the orphanages. So we try to make as best as possible doing videos and a lot of content so we can bring more people into this amazing project. We have so much to dig into, some fascinating stories, and of course, an amazing work that you guys do in Africa and in many locations around the world. But Kote, I'm going to stick with you for a second because I want to hear what really drew you to Water is Life. Of course, it means a lot to me. And since I met Ken maybe three, four years ago in Chile on just a lunch that we had together, uh, we connected very easily, very well. And uh, he invited me to be part of the team because of all the background that I have done in different TV shows in, in journalism in Chile. And uh, that year I was with projects. I, I was filming and I was um, creating and doing documentaries all over 
the country. And I told him, like, I would love to come with you to Kenya, but I can't. But the following year, I moved to Italy for another different things. And uh, when I realized that I was able to go in the time that they were going every year, I called them and I said, hey, Ken, I'm living in Italy now. Uh, are you going to Kenya this year? And he was like, yeah, absolutely. Uh, can I come? And he was like, yeah, fantastic. Let's just join us. And uh, that's how I got here. It was never in my plans. I would never have thought about coming to Kenya. I lived in Angola for, for a while, years ago. But Kenya was never really in my plans. And then is when I came here, I fell in love with the country. We did an amazing work. We traveled all around, visiting different slums. Kibera here in, in Nairobi is the biggest slum in Africa with more than a million and 200,000 people living in these worst conditions without access to water at all. And uh, we went to the schools, we went to the orphanages, we gave our water solutions to the kids, and I absolutely fell in love with this place. And then we, after working together that time, we just started planning future projects and we connected so well. And here we are still planning and, and doing things along the way. Let's now look at your story, Ken. You went on a trip, you saw a need, you felt like you had to do something about it. And this was, I think, close to 15, 16 years ago. Yes, sir. Yeah, that's right. Um, I actually went in uh, looking at some opportunities to help out with some uh, orphan care in the northern part of Kenya, South Sudan with the Turkana people group. And it was an amazing journey that, you know, opened my eyes up to what's going on in the rest of the world. And there was a uh, there was a statement that some old Jewish rabbi made. He said, if not you, then who? And if not now, then when? And as I got back into Nairobi to get ready to go back home, it had been a couple of weeks since I'd seen a nice hot shower. So I'm warming up the shower and thinking, man, this is, you know, this is going to be great. And then that's when it hits me. Can water is life here. The people would give anything to have the water. You're just letting go down the drain. A few months later, I drilled my first well and we haven't looked back. We've been in water sanitation hygiene now for a um, decade and a half, uh, providing water. Uh, uh, help for uh, over 47 countries around the world. And so it's been an amazing journey. And adding Kote to the team was a no-brainer. I mean, she's an award-winning journalist. She does this for a living and, um, you know, comes on as a volunteer to help out. And it's been an amazing process. And I, I don't know if you saw the latest video that she just produced, but it's an amazing uh, video about uh, well up in Northwest Kenya that we just finished up. Kote, let's uh, have you then put into perspective for those of us, right? A lot of the people watching and listening live that life similar to what Ken just described, where we use water frivolously. We do. And we don't have any real concept of what life is like in an area where water is scarce. Clean water is even more scarce. Paint that picture for us, Kote. Um, I think it's a lack of consciousness that we have, but not because we're bad people, but because we don't know. When you get the opportunity of going to these slums or going to these villages where there has never been access to water, they don't know what is a tap of water. We even go to the fridge sometimes and we put a glass of water in the fridge and the water comes clean and even cold or hot if you want. 
and we go and have a shower and and we just leave the water running until it gets warm and uh, we brush our teeth and the water keeps running but because we are not conscious about the value of this water and when you go to these places that are random places in different parts of the world well let's consider that none of the african countries have access to in, in none of these countries you can drink water from the tap like I live in a very nice, small, good apartment, but I cannot drink that water from the tap. I have to buy water here. Everyone here has to buy water or boil it. This is a whole different perspective from life because we give water for granted and we need water after air for breathing. And when you get to these places and you think that they don't have water, they're going to be people that are going to be sad, that are going to be frustrated, that are going to be depressed. You see all these kids that they call you musungus, musungus in Swahili means white people or like foreigner, and and they start laughing and they come to you and they welcome you in a warm way and they take you to the river for you to see where they take the water from. And they take these containers where like where gas comes and we walk to the river for two, three, four kilometers. And they take the water from the river that is absolutely brown. You can see that it's brown. And you say, how could they drink from there? It's dirty. And when you realize that we go back to the school and they fill up these big containers, and after they play football, after they run, after they have their break, they drink from this water, you're shocked. It hits you. Because we would never think that thing that situation or that behavior is so natural and so normal in different parts of the world and it is so it's a slap on your face and you realize how blessed and how lucky you are and that absolutely changes you this is the edge of adventure my name is adam asher and the organization that we're focusing on today is an organization called water is life you can look them up online at waterislife.com our most recent voice you heard there is Cote Terre. She is the director of communications for the organization. And also in the conversation uh, joining us today is Ken Surrett. He's the founder of Water is Life. So it's my privilege and pleasure to have both of them joining me today for the program. Ken, you guys work not only in Africa, but in several other places. I'd like to explore that briefly. What are the other countries that you guys are focusing on, the other regions of the world? And why did those regions get chosen in particular? You bet. That's a great question. We, we have um, footprints in several countries in Africa and the continent there. We are actually uh, in the process of drilling a couple of more wells in uh, Kenya area right now and also in Ghana. We also have work in Tanzania and some other areas in Africa as well. Uh, Central and South America are wide open for us too because the needs are there. Like Kote mentioned, you know, most of the rest of the world deals with water issues that we don't have to deal with. Now, I believe here in the United States, there's going to be a time when we are dealing with some of the same water issues. Right now we're dealing with crumbling infrastructure and it is taking its toll on the systems here in the United States. So I think the, the global problem is coming to roost here in the United States. Um, 
you know, we've been working in Haiti, we've been working in Puerto Rico, you know, after the, the hurricanes and her- earthquakes there, providing water solutions for the different areas. India, uh, we do some work in China. Uh, so, you know, we've got a lot of uh, different countries in the Middle East that we work with as well. Just a great opportunity. One of the things that makes us a little different from other organizations is that we take volunteers with us. And so if there are some of the listeners that are interested in volunteering, um, we'd love to take them with us to roll up their sleeves and get involved. One of the things that's been exciting to me, Adam, is um, seeing this new generation of people coming into their own. My generation threw money at stuff and kind of turned our blind eye to it and said, "Ah, I hope that goes away. These people, man, they want to roll up their sleeve. They can raise money. Yeah, that's that's not a problem. But they want to roll up their sleeves and get something done. And so that's an encouragement to me as I'm on the backside of life to know that there are young people today that have a passion to make a difference and make an impact in the world. And it's very, very encouraging to me. This is The Edge of Adventure. Ken Surrett, he's the founder of Water is Life. Kote from my research, as I got to know Water is Life, there were three words or terms that popped out a few different times. And it was regarding your approach as Water is Life, reliable, real, and efficient. Well, here, basically, and all around the world is full of different NGOs and, and, and people trying to help make this world a better place. Uh, I know ours and I know how we work. I know the people that are part of our team and I know the solutions that we give to people that don't have access to water. And these are fantastic. Like one of them, it's a filter that I call a magic straw. And I tell the kids that this is a magic straw. And me and Ken, we go together inside the classrooms and we tell them, we brought you a gift. We have for you a present today. Do you know what is this? And they have no idea. So we take a bottle of water. We put a bit of dirt inside so it looks very gray or dirty. And uh, we tell them, do you think that we can drink water from this bottle? And they say, no, no, no. What's going to happen to me? No, you're going to get sick. You're going to have headache. Your tummy is going to hurt. And this is a fantastic solution because with this straw, that is a filter, you can drink water from anywhere, absolutely anywhere without getting the risk of getting sick, Uh, except the ocean, of course. But in the places where these people live, in the slums, where all this water is not running at all, and sometimes the lakes, sometimes the rivers, wherever there is a water uh, source but is not clean, this is the solution. It's a temporary solution, but it lasts for about two years, depending on how much water do you drink. It can last for a thousand liters of water, And he has a fantastic system because once it stops uh, working, you won't be able to sip anymore. So then you have to throw it away. And and I truly, this is one of the solutions that we work with. I truly believe that they are efficient, that they are reliable, totally reliable, and that they're real. We've seen it. I've seen it. Me as a journalist, I have to see things with my eyes to be able to communicate them. I have to experience things by myself in order to be able to tell you what it is like. Cote Terre, Director of Communications with Water is Life, also on the line. Ken, 
And you, can you see what I'm doing here? I'm kind of tr- throwing the questions back and forth because you both have <laughs> great perspective and uh, got to keep everybody in the conversation here. So Ken, Ken knows that he's up next. And I am curious about this goal, this objective that you guys have concerning one billion people. One billion people today don't have access to safe drinking water. It's actually a little bit more than that. Our goal is if we can reach the billion people at that mark, then we can end the world water crisis. Adam, there is technology. There is people and resources that we can put together. We've just got to put those two things together to make it possible. We can end the world water crisis right now. It's that simple because there is technology that exists. Just having the manpower and the resources to be able to do it is simply all we need. Kote, what is a borehole? How is it used? Uh, A borehole is usually what we do as one of the solutions wherever there is no source of water. And uh, in many places in the African continent, there is not water under the soil deep down. It depends uh, on the place where you go. It depends on the site. How deep do you have to go? How deep do you have to drill to find that water? The last one that we did was in Kisumu, a city up north of Kenya. It was 140 meters deep. And uh, we sent our team. We have uh, people that we work with. They go there. They do all the geological and hydrological studies and surveys before to, in order to find where they can start drilling, because sometimes you start drilling and there's no water and, and you lost all the resources, you lost all the time, you lost the energy and the money and in a, in a useless way. Luckily, we have now the experience. We've been working for many years here and we have amazing teams that they are good in what they do. Once you do the borehole, water starts coming out from it. And uh, we usually connect pipelines through a pump to go in a huge tank, like 10,000 liters tank, where all this water that sometimes is clean, sometimes it needs filtration, will provide the whole village or the whole school or the hospital with clean, safe water. Water is Life, the organization we're featuring today here on the Edge of Adventure. Ken, What's the before and after, right? When you compare a place that doesn't have access Mm -hmm. to water, clean water, and then you guys move in, you help educate them, you help provide some things that they need to solve that problem. Give me a, give me a glimpse into what that before and after feels like. Adam, that's an awesome question. Um, There are a lot of groups that I call one and done. They go in, they do a project, they get their picture taken, they leave and they never come back. Um, we have a little bit different philosophy in that what we wanna do is we wanna stay connected with those villages. And so we use kind of concentric circles that we begin at one spot and we move out. So that allows us to come back year after year after year. Very first well I drilled, I'm actually meeting with the gentleman next week, or no, tomorrow actually, uh, that um, donated the money for me to drill the very first well that I drilled in Kenya. And um, I told him uh, in a text message earlier, I said, look, you're to blame for all of this. You started all this. Um, but I go back every year and I see the progress in that community. Now, we've drilled other wells there as well for a medical clinic, but you can see the transformation. That's what's amazing is you go in and you see what happens with just that one element. 
Um, I sat with uh, some of the VPs from Johnson and Johnson a couple of years ago, and I said, look, you guys do an amazing work. You give out a billion dollars worth of goods and services to clinics and things all over the world. I said, but we could do one thing and we could empty over 75 percent of the hospital beds in developing countries around the world. They looked at me like I had horns. And I said, look, the one thing is water, because most of the people that are in hospitals today are there because of waterborne disease. And simply bringing that one thing brings that whole economy up, the, the whole community, because now people aren't sick. They're able to go to work. Kids are able to go to school. Uh, moms aren't having to spend hundreds of hours a month to go collect water and bring it back. Usually it's the women and children that have to do that. And so they're the ones that suffer the most. So the ladies and the kids uh, are able to go back to school. The people are able to work in the fields it brings transformation to those areas that you just would not believe growing crops and things that, you know, now there can be real economy into those areas because they're learning now to make a better life for themselves. Our thought is, is if we can help to teach a man to fish, that's better than giving them a fish. And so we're providing them some of the tools, but also giving them opportunities then to earn income and make, make a better life for themselves. Ken, are you guys afraid to ask for help? We have to ask for help. It's going to take all of us to solve this world water crisis. Like you said, it takes everybody, right? It's, it's a cooperative effort. It takes people to give. Exactly. But I mm -hmm. also noticed that you guys are not afraid to ask for help within the communities and within the yes. countries. And with that, I'll kick it over to Cote and just ask her, mm -hmm. you know, how do you describe the kind of cooperation you have with local and federal governments in these different uh, locations? It's hard because uh, you have to change and you have to try to adapt, not in, not in a full way, but in a, in a sort of way you have to adapt of to how things work in here. And um, I decided after a, a few tries of trying to partnership with the governments, with the money that they have to invest in their people, I kind of gave up, not yet fully, but I, I think that there are private companies as well that they want and they need to invest and they need to use the money to give back to society, to give back to people. Like all this huge um, beverage uh, or telecommunications companies that they're a thousand million dollars worth, uh, they need to give back and, and trying to reach to those people and the ones that make the decisions. And, and there are good people there. I, I truly believe that some of them, they have reached those positions because they care about contributing and helping and, and, and making a balance as well is in this whole reality. And, um, but, but it's the hard part. It's not the nice part. I'd rather go to the village and film and interview the people and go with the kids to fetch water to the river than going into a meeting here or an office and, and try to ask for money. It's, it's not the good part. There's kind of three ways that we look at this as far as change. To get the most amount of change, you go to the government, okay? But it's the slowest. Uh, usually it's a lot of no's. Then you go to the regional area and it's a little bit more adoptive. Then the third level is on the personal and interpersonal, uh, you know, one-on-one -on -one with small groups mm -hmm. and change is fast, uh, adoption is fast. And so depending on, you know, where we're at, you know, governmental, regional, 
or then, you know, village person to person. Um, the most effective, the largest impact, of course, is going to be the government, but it's also the slowest. And so we work in all three of those areas, but uh, it does present some challenges for sure. Talking today with some great folks from Water is Life. We've got Ken Surrett. He's the founder started this wonderful journey about 15 years ago, 15, 16 years ago. We've been getting to know him and his heart for people around the world. And then also uh, Cote Terre. She's the director of communications for this organization. So Cote, what is African culture like? Let's go to the village. You love the village. You love the people. What do you feel when you go to one of these villages where life is very different than it might be my daily life in the States for me or where you grew up or where Ken grew up. How's it different? And what do you love about it? It teaches me every day. Every time I go there, every time I interact to those people and they tell me and you see how they live and you see their attitude towards life. And as I was telling you before, it's a slap on the face because we have everything. And sometimes we forget about it and we don't realize it. So whenever you go there and you see, we call them poor. Poor of what? Yeah, it's it's water what they need. But yeah. they are rich in the way that they live. They are rich in the way that they confront life. They are rich in a way that they are able to, to smile and to laugh and to share with you whatever they have in a place where sometimes there's nothing. And for me, having that opportunity, it's something that is a gift. I, I love it. I love playing with the children. You bring them this straw and it's like you would give, I don't know, a, a PlayStation. That's the reaction that they get. And I am a truly believer that happiness is absolutely contagious. And when you see them just playing with the water after we have given out the well and and the borehole and the clean water is coming from it, we have some amazing, beautiful pictures from the last time. And they play with water and you see them and and there's nothing else you would wish for. It's so fulfilling. It's a hard feeling to express or to describe it with words. And that's why, as Ken was saying, we are welcoming every single person that would like to come and live that experience. Because I truly believe that it's a lifetime experience and it would change the way that you see life forever. There's no way back after that. And Cote, for information about that, for someone who says, hey, look, I I want to pursue the opportunity to go and, and serve in this way. They're going to go to the website, right? Waterislife.com. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you should do that. You know, I always tell people, I mean, I, I, I don't try to tell people what to do, but when you're watching this and you, you feel kind of in your spirit, you're like, you know, uh, this is, this is one I need to follow up on. I need to get to know these people. I encourage you to do that. Follow that leading. Ken, where do we go from here? What's next for you guys? For us, you know, we continue to pursue on our big audacious goal, and that is to uh, end the world water crisis. Um, we're introducing some new technologies and things this year that uh, I think will be a giant step in helping us to be able to accomplish that as well. One of the things that Cote mentioned earlier was, you know, volunteers coming. Resources and people are what's needed to end this. We've all got to work together. One of the things that we're seeing more and more is corporate social responsibility. Businesses that say, we can do well by doing good. They want to give back. They want to help. 
but they don't have a vehicle. We can be that vehicle for them. We don't care who gets the credit. Our goal is to end the world water crisis. So if a company wants to come in and they want to drill a well and they want to put their name on it, we don't care. Come on. We 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 welcome you to do that. Um, and by the way, you're seeing my fav- my personal favorite little video right now, um, the story of Kaitoli, a four-year-old. Um, in sub-Saharan Africa, one in five children will die before they reach the age of five. We wanted to communicate that message in a positive way. And so we took a four-year-old, I don't know if you remember the movie, The Bucket List, but we took a four-year-old on a bucket list trip. And I'm telling you, it, it, it gets me every time I watch it. So I encourage your folks to go on the website. Our website has uh, videos that are listed there. We also have a YouTube channel that can uh, help educate, help them understand exactly what we've been doing. But Kaitoli's story is a, uh, is a heart tug for sure. Kote. Uh, what is more important, being famous or making a difference? And I ask you that because you've kind of been in both camps. Both. <laughs> no, I was really far away from being famous. Just being a TV hostess, uh, it didn't mean. But I used it as a tool to reach more people. And that's how I, as well, I'm using today my social media. Like through my Instagram account, we got this amazing woman with a huge generous heart that she started following me and she started learning and and seeing what we were doing with Water is Life. A few weeks ago, she just texted me and she said, I saw what you did in Kisumu. I wanna be part of what you're doing. What do you need? How much money do you need? Okay, here's a borehole. And she just gave me a lot of money without even, she doesn't know who I am. We've never met in person. And she was like, should I transfer it into your bank account? And I was like, no, no way, please. I'm gonna just connect you with Ken. He's my boss and and with a proper way to donate like what we need with the funds that we need to provide people with a borehole. But, but it's amazing, like the power of social media can be mm-hmm. used in such an amazing way. It can be very light and superficial, but it can make huge changes as well. And that's what I like about my job and about my career that allowed me to build this up. So today I can reach more people and I can tell and I can show more people what are we doing here. Whenever we say that we are an NGO and we're welcoming everyone, we mean it. Because we need you. We need your help in any kind of way. But come, the doors are open and you're more than welcome. This is The Edge of Adventure. My name is Adam Asher. That's Cote Terre. Joining us from Water is Life. Also on the line, Ken Surrett, the founder for Water is Life. And as we get now to the end of the program, time to kind of wrap up with a couple of, you know, closing questions, big picture items. Ken, what does the audience need to hear? First of all, we live under the perception that the rest of the world looks like us. Uh, The rest of the world doesn't look like us. We represent 5% of the world's population, yet we have 50% of the world's resources. We think that uh, everybody can turn on a tap, and that's not the reality in the majority of the world. Over a third of the world doesn't have running water, uh, access to safe water. More than that, don't have toilets that flush. 80% of the world lives in substandard housing. We don't have a picture of what the rest of the world like looks like unless you go and experience it 
you'll never understand it. Um, I can tell you about it all day long. We can show you pictures and videos, but until you go and you experience it for yourself, it's a life changer. I tell people, and, and I'm upfront and honest, when we take teams over, I say, look, my goal in the next week or two weeks or however long I've got you is to wreck your life. And I don't want you going back the same way that you came. I don't know if you caught it in Cote's uh, talk earlier. She was saying that her life was changed. We go over there to help people, but we're the ones who get touched. We're the ones who get uh, get impacted. We're the ones that experience life change. And so to anybody that's volunteering, we are very upfront and honest. Our goal is to wreck your life. You, you're not going to go back the same. You're going to go back as an ambassador to help bring safe water to the world. And uh, I think we, we do a pretty good job at that. Thank you, Ken. Cote, final question for you. What's your challenge, right? How do you challenge the audience? What's your admonition? Mm, my challenge is to be a better person every day. And uh, thanks to God or the universe or whatever you want to call it, where, whatever you believe in, I was very lucky to be born where I was born. And my job and my responsibility is to give back because I have all my basic needs fulfilled. So what do I do with that? I try to make this world a better place. You cannot do everything, but we all can do something. My job as a communicator, as a journalist, is to be a window for those who sometimes don't have the opportunity or don't have the information to come and do something like this. Whenever you help people, whenever you give, that comes back a thousand more times. People usually tell you, you are so generous. You're working there in Africa. And I, like, you, you don't even know what it, this is because how could I explain what you're missing? Because life could be so much better when you use your tools, when you use your talents, yeah. when you use your capacity to give and what you're good at in helping other people. That is, for me, that's the whole secret of happiness. And that's what I try to do. Well, thank you both so much. Cote Terre is the Director of Communications. Ken Surrett is the founder, both joining us from Water Is Life. And you can look them up at waterislife.com. Get involved. Let them know you appreciate what they're doing and, you know, come alongside them in some way. Find out how you can help. Water Is Life. Look them up at waterislife.com. Again, Cote Terre and Ken Surrett have been my guests today. Thank you both for what you do. And thanks for taking the Thank time. You, Adam. Thanks, Adam. Thank you very much. My name is Adam Asher, and you've been listening to the Edge of Adventure podcast. To learn more, log on to theedgeofadventure.com. And while you're there, check out the video series where we go off the grid to discover some of the great things people are doing all around the globe to make the world a better place. I call it my search for adventure and purpose. You'll find us on social media too. Just look for the hashtag, The Edge of Adventure. Thanks for joining us. Always great to have you with us as together we aim to live life for something bigger than ourselves. This is The Edge of Adventure, where we go beyond status quo. Beyond status quo.